The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, Benfica Nation? This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu welcoming you to Season 3 of Mr. Benfica. Uh, you'll notice a few changes today. Um, first of all, you're going to notice a new theme music, and I want to just give a shout-out to the artists that came up with the theme music. It is a group called Agendas out in Los Angeles, California. They are two, two guys from near me from here in Boston, one of them, Jeff, I grew up with, and I played football with growing up and he is a big Benfica so I want you to go to their social medias follow agendas all right I have the links in the show notes please check that out and make sure you follow those guys they're talented and they've got some real good tracks you go ahead and and check them out they've got all of their stuff there's their SoundCloud their Spotify everything is there Instagram check it out they're uh they're very talented I'm I'm really really happy to be collaborating with them and I couldn't be happier with the finished product of this theme song I hope you enjoy it now before we get into the show I just wanted to say that this show has already aired live on YouTube and it is available on YouTube in its entirety already now the reason I'm talking to you before the show today is because I am an absolute rookie at YouTube Live, and um, I had never used Zoom to to stream live before. Okay, in fact, I had never live streamed in my life, as far as as myself uh, uh, directing it or if you want or producing it. Um, so what I forgot to do was I forgot to hit the record button when I put the show live on YouTube. So my guest and I. Uh, we spoke at length quite a bit about the Pauk Benfica match and we broke it down. Um, I think we had a pretty decent show and, um, well, the sound, the, the, the audio was not recorded. So what I had to do was I had to take it from YouTube. So the quality was, was lost in the transfer, um, so I do apologize for the reduced sound quality on this big season premiere, exactly how I wanted to get the season off. I guess getting the season started just the way Benfica did in Greece, um, in a sense. But if you want to hear it with better quality, I'll, I have the link to the show um, on the YouTube channel. I have the link to it in the show notes. Go ahead and click it and watch it on YouTube if you'd like. And every episode of Mr. Benfica, the flagship episodes, okay, the, the main show will can, will be posted on YouTube this season, okay? That is my goal, to have every show on YouTube and not just uh, in podcast form. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Here's to a much better season, all right? It didn't start right, but we've got a lot of matches going. We've got, we got 34 in the league. We could have who knows how many in the Europa League. We, we've got Portuguese Cup, League Cup. Okay, there's plenty of football to play, obviously, between now and the summertime, between now and June. So let's not already jump off the wagon, okay? Yes, this de- this defeat hurts, but let's keep things in perspective. Um, there's a lot of football to, to go around, and yeah, it won't be in the Champions League this year, but we have to move on. Okay, we, we can't do anything about that. Now we have to move on, and I do believe that this team needs support. This team is in its it's in its building stage, okay? It's nowhere near a finished product, and I think we all need to understand that and and accept that right now. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the show. I hope I don't piss too many people off in this one. I do have some stronger comments for some of the more popular players. Um, hope I don't piss too many people off. Um, understand that's just my opinion, and opinions can change and even players players as their performances change they change people's opinions as well so um 
take everything with a grain of salt, I guess, is my advice. So here is, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Season 3 premiere, Mr. Benfica. It's Episode 85 here on the PTB Media Network. Welcome to episode 85, the season 3 premiere of Mr. Befica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and I wish that I was a lot happier today. I, uh, Well, let's just say uh, Tuesday sucked. And, um, and uh, yeah, however, if you're telling me that you're surprised that you didn't see it coming, I think you're you need to get your eyes checked to be honest because well this is the same team we had just a month ago when we lost the cup final and there's a few new players but not that many and 80 million euros spent and Seferovic is still our striker Andre Almeida is still our right back and he's wearing the captain's armband which is the biggest insult of all and yeah people are blaming JJ there's actually people calling for a new coach already Insanity. Well, tonight, I've got a guest with me. All right, I've brought in my Greek uh, soccer correspondent. Okay, he knows the Greek league. He knows the teams. Uh, you heard him last week when I had him on, on the Parking the Bus podcast. He's on every single episode of the Parking the Bus podcast with me. He is the resident guru. He is the resident degen. And he, if you want to know how to make some money betting on sports, this is the guy to go to. But he's also the PTB Network's resident expert on Greek football. Let's welcome in Leo Kukakis from DGENs United. I'm unmuting you right now, Leo. Hey, what's up, Capitan? What's going on, Leo? How you doing, brother? I'm I'm hurting a little bit, man. After Benfica let me down like that. Woo-wee. Yeah, let, let, let the listeners know uh, how you thought or how you where'd you put your money in this match? My, my money was all over Benfica. I didn't think that this game was going to be close. I had Benfica to keep a clean sheet as well. Once I saw the lineups, I looked at your lineup and I said, yeah, it's a strong lineup. I'm not very high on Balk this year. Balk doesn't really have much of a striker to depend on. 
next thing you know, first half looks great. I, I went into halftime, I'm like, oh, this is yeah. great. This is fantastic. Benfica dominating the match. You know, who knows? Maybe Seferovic, uh, Seferovic will run into one by accident. Only That's the only way. Oh, my God. What a disaster <laughs> of a definitely, There are definitely two Seferoviches. Okay, I'm I, convinced. There's one in training. That must look like, you know, a combination of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Because every <laughs> single manager cannot help himself hurt this guy. And then there's the one we see in official matches. All right. In the preseason, I think we saw more of the training to Ferovich. And now when it's for real, we saw the one we know. Now, to be honest, Seferovich, I understood why he started. Okay, he started because JJ wants to play a high pressing system. Carlos Vinicius doesn't bring that for you. We don't know enough about Darwin Nunez yet. So he went with what he knew. And for 30 minutes, you know, we were playing exactly how the manager wanted, how we want them to play. But they don't have enough in the tank yet to play like that all game. And I think they lacked some intelligence in pacing themselves in this game. Yeah, I mean, just overall, it's just I, – I still can't get over some perfect. I mean, it really comes down to that for me. If last – a couple months ago, really, we were talking about Vinny, and you were telling me that the owner thought he was – or the president, whatever, believes he's worth $100 million. Yeah, he does. And you send out Zafarovich? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> this is a fantastic graphic. This is brand new right here. I dig yeah. it. Um, I'm going to have you read the 11 starters for Pauk, uh, Leo. Yeah, so in goal they had Zivkovic. Um, yeah, Zivkovic. <laughs> and they played <laughs> – the other Zivkovic. We'll get into the other one soon. <laughs> um, but back line, they had three-man back line. They had uh, Ingasan, they had Varela, and then they had Michalidis. Um The midfield, you had the two wingbacks. I don't know if you want to count it as a five. five I, it was, it was a five for all intents and purposes. When, when they didn't have the ball, that's exactly what they they were. And they right. have real effective five-man back line, actually. Yeah. It looked pretty good. Uh, on the right-hand side, you did have Crespo. On the left-hand side, you had Ganulis. Ganulis, of course, the one that scores the first goal. Yeah, you had given, you had put a, a shout-out to uh, keep an eye on him, and that was a good show. Oh, I love that kid. I love this. Honestly, I'm not high on Pauk this year, but they do have the three players uh, in Ganuli, Giolis, and uh, Dimitri Belkafo. I'm very, uh, I'm very, very high on. They have your uh, they have your African midfield there with Schwab and El Kaduri, mm-hmm. and then up top. Um, you have Dimitri Belkas as the center attacking mid. And then up top, you have Akbom and Ziolis as well. Uh, it really played more like a 3-4-3 most of the match, though. It wasn't necessarily right. Belkas playing in the middle. Um, but, yeah, that was the starting 11 for Pauk. All right, I'm going to scroll down here. And we're going to see. Can you tell I'm new at this YouTube stuff? That's why you go live there in the Celtics, man, when everybody's watching the Celtics. That's right. That, that was exactly <laughs> my intention. Now that you brought that up, that's how much Tuesday sucked, all right? <laughs> because first, Mefica lays an egg here, all right? Then then my, my boy there, Dennis Paiva, loses on the UFC, all right? Straight out of East Providence, Rhode Island, Portuguese-American kid, loses a decision in the UFC uh, Dana White Contender Series. And then lastly, the Celtics did what they did. And I was part for it. I've been pissed off ever since. But Befica go in there in a, a change, a bit of a change. And um, not sure exactly why. And, and I don't even know that this lineup you're seeing here is, is accurate. I think it 
lined up a little bit differently than this. But you had you had Odie in goal. For some reason, Andre Almeida is is the right back because we had all summer to go find another one. And for five years, we've been saying we can't go into the Champions League with Andre Almeida as our right back. And for the fifth year in a row, we go into the Champions League with Andre Almeida as our right back. And that's it for the Champions League. Ruben Diaz and Jan Vertonghen are the center backs. The left back is Alex Grimaldo. Weigel was playing more of a number six than this chart is showing. Um... Maybe if they had played like this, it might have even, if it had actually worked this way, it might have even been a better system. And then you had also in midfield Adel Tarab to, uh, I'll get into it. I'm going to lose a, a faction of my listeners tonight because Adel Tarab is incredibly popular and he's not popular with me, to put it simply. Um, <laughs> listen, he is. He's a talented player. He's skilled. But when it comes to reading the game, he's completely illiterate. And this game showed it. Like, part of the problem is, and I'll go through the rest of the lineup, in the three attacking mids, you got PZ, Pedrinho, and Everton. Um, and you got, like we said, the Swiss assassin with no bullets up front, Eris Seferovic. And um, so a little bit of surprise was Pedrinho coming into the lineup. Everyone was expecting Rafa there. I was expecting Rafa, and here's why I was expecting Rafa. And I, and actually, Pedrinho was good. It, this wasn't—I didn't have a problem with him playing. I had a problem with Rafa not playing. Okay, and I'm going to use Adel Tarab as an example to Rafa. Okay, everyone loves Adel Tarab because he's got skills and he passes well. And all, most of his passes come in the middle third. He either drops too too deep to receive the ball, and then he's going when he's going forward. You know, he's trying to run at people, and he's not seeing his teammates, or he's completing high percentage easy passes. Okay, Adel Tarabt played all those minutes last year, had all these high ratings, and we'll get to ratings towards the end. I have the player ratings, and I'll show you on the screen. Adel Tarap typically does well in those categories. Adel Tarap had one goal and one assist last season. For as much as everybody thinks he's this star and he's this born-again just stud, one goal, one assist. Meanwhile, Rafa can play the worst game of any player that's on the pitch. He can go 11, 0 for 11 in dribbles. He can go, you know, 0 for 10 in pass attempts. But you know what? He either gets a goal or he gets an assist almost every time he plays. Which one would you rather have? Pass or go? Of course, possession <laughs> wins championships, right? There you go. That's why you we're going. Stop, that's man. why we're going to the Europa League with our seventy-two percent of possession in this match. <laughs> so <laughs> that that you, you couldn't help yourself. You I can't, couldn't I wait can't, to throw I that one in. Never help myself on that one. But <laughs> let's. Oh, man. Take that down and go back to the normal screen here. So, that's where we start. And I've got here the the pay-by-play. And basically, I will usually do this, Leo. I go through the, the plays of the game. And, and um, that's not really a good format for a two-man show. So, I'm just going to glance over. We'll talk about certain instances. Yeah, let's go. Um, right off the bat, you know, Benfica comes out on, on the front foot, I would say. And they looked good, like I said, for the first 30 minutes. They looked the team that was that was going to go after the goal, that was going to come out with something. I really liked 
uh, Everton in this match. Uh, he was a good addition to the team. Playing out on the left, he, he completes a lot of dribbles. He completes his passes. But he also got himself into positions to either deliver cross, good crosses or to give that final pass into the area, of course. If Seferovic doesn't miss two headers in the first half, this game's completely different. Seferovic really did blow this game. It's really hard to. We keep coming. We're gonna. I feel like we're gonna keep coming back to him. But we really are. I mean, unfortunately, in the first half, it was that simple. Balk didn't touch the ball. Balk didn't have a chance. um, To put it into gambling perspective, going into the match, Benfica to keep a clean sheet was at plus two fifteen. at halftime, because of how little Bauk had the ball, and the fact that I don't think they had a shot on goal. They might have had one by accident, but mm-hmm. nothing serious on goal. They were they down. They one off a set piece, I think. Yes, yes, that's they right. They got a header off a set piece that, that was saved. But Benfica went from plus 215, they were minus 250 to keep that clean sheet at yeah. halftime because of the way that they were dominating the yeah. game. And then it looked like, but this game really did look like a lot of the games that I watched in the Portuguese, uh, in the Portuguese league. Now, obviously, I don't watch as much as you, but um, every but Benfica game more than that I watch. <laughs> so, uh, every Benfica game that I watch, I mean, it looks similar. Benfica dominate the game, dominate the game. One Malakia go the other way, and then there you go. It's all over. Here comes the second yeah. one, and then Benfica will score one. They'll tickle your huevos a little bit, and then they end up losing. Yeah, it, it's exactly that. And, I, you know, Really unlucky on PZ's free kick that that hits the hits the, the pole oh. and doesn't go in. But it was you know it was six inches too much to the left. It was a, and it's the best free kick I think I've ever seen him take because he's been taking them for about three years. I don't think he's scored one yet. That was the closest he's come. And uh, you know I thought like I said, Pedrinho started slow. He started with a lot of mistakes. He's nervous. He's brand new. I said this. When I was on the show with, I think I said this when I was on Benfica after ninety with Mario and those boys, he had never even left Corinthians in Brazil, much like his club. Never mind leaving Brazil altogether. So Pedrinho is having an adjustment period. There are people now. This is becoming a pet peeve of mine. And when people start applying North American sports logic to European football, and there are people saying that if you pay twenty million for a guy. he should start right away and should score 30 goals and 20 assists, which nobody gets 30 goals and 20 assists in any league, almost. There's two guys in the world that can get those kind of numbers. And to put it back into your into betting terms, okay, you get a young guy like a Pedrinho or a Darwin Nunez, right? They cost 20-plus million, but they're 22 and 20 years old, something like that. They're what I call a futures bet, if you put it in gambling terms. You're signing them for five years. So that $20 million is not intended for them to get off the plane today and put in a hat trick in the Champions League and, and lead the team. They're kids. They're, if in three years they're scoring 20 goals a game, each of them, that's a hell of an investment. You're getting them at today's price versus the price that they're going to be at at that time. Now, a lot of people don't see things that way. They, And I think what it is is a lot of I, – I really – I don't know how you feel about this, Leo, but you're a Man City supporter. They spend money. Do you care how much money they spend on a player? No. Does the overall payroll actually matter to you? No. No. It doesn't even matter to me in FIFA and the video game. No. <laughs> I don't care how much they spend. Go get me a damn trophy, please. I don't care what it takes. The only reason that I was opposed to bringing in Messi was because it was going to cost us 
Bernardo, Gabriel, right. and who's the other one? Eric Garcia. Yeah. New, you want to pay a billion dollars for Messi by all freaking means. I'm not buying tickets. doesn't affect my ticket prices. Yeah, and, you know, the player market is not a conventional market. The prices are not set on anything logical. Yeah. It, it's all set on, you know, past. It's a bubble in which it's going to burst at some point. I thought it was going to burst during the COVID stoppage. And to some extent, it did. Players have gone for less money. I mean, we're getting Vertonghen on a free because that bubble burst. Otherwise, he's probably got a transfer fee attached. But you pay $20 million for a kid. It's a five-year plan. It's $5 million a year. It's like, you know, it's an investment. It's like, it's like going to your bank and getting a certificate deposit for five years. You're not going to be able to cash it out the next day and, and get a return. Right, absolutely. And that, that's when you buy young players, that's what you do. Now, whether or not we needed young players is a whole different conversation. I think we wasted all the summer uh, courting Cavani, which blew up in our face. I think he was playing games with us from the beginning. You know what the worst part about – I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, no, the the worst part about this game, we, we've spent the first few minutes bitching about Safarovic. How different is this game with Cavani? Oh, it's, it's, it's completely different. It's over. It's, it's over. Probably. It's, one of those headers. <laughs> yeah. All this game needed for Benfica was the first one. Okay. Oh. Now, Abel's, uh, Abel, the manager of Pauk, knows Benfica very well. He knows George Jesus very well. He'd never beaten him before. Okay. Or he's never beaten Benfica. Excuse me. He's beaten George Jesus, I think, three times in a row now, maybe four. When, when JJ was the manager at Sporting, he lost to Abel a couple of times. He did exactly what. I kind of expected him to do one because he's a Portuguese manager and this is what they're strong at. He sat back for the fur. He weathered the storm, waited, waited, knew that if he had a new team or had new players in the team, new key players, knew that there were weaknesses to exploit. And I'm going to hurt some feelings when I say that Grimaldo is a weakness in the champions league. He's a weakness. Yeah. You cannot defend. I don't care how good you are going forward. When you're a defender, you have to be able to defend that second goal. He's, I don't know, I know he's exhausted, but he's not even positioned right. How'd His body is, he's fine. Um, I honestly would have, we didn't make the sign. Had we gone out and gotten Ruben Semedo from Olympiacos, like we want to. <laughs> I know, I may. Leo is a Panathinaiko fan. Oh, okay, just, so, oh, okay. So, I just, okay, to the listeners, I just, I just shouted out the, his equivalent to a Porto player. Oh, okay, so that's oh. why you see those of you watching live on YouTube. If you haven't noticed, we are live on YouTube right now. Like a new feature of Mr. Benfica this season. Okay, um, but how do we brought him in? Okay, he plays right central defense. Ruben Dias on the Portuguese national team plays left central defense, and Pep from Porto plays right. So that's an easy change. And Vertonghen could have been the left back. He functions very well as a left back. He played two matches for Belgium at left back in this last international window. Right. And then we're a much more solid left, and then they're just going to try to to attack the right. Now, when I had the lineup up, my big problem is the left side of the field is still soft as a pillow. Grimaldo, <laughs> you got Grimaldo, you got Cibolina, uh Everton is his name. Uh, his nickname is Cibolina. He's a great player going forward. He's not, gonna, he's not a defender. He's not a midfielder that comes back in defense, okay? You also have left, on the left center mid, Adel Tarat. Now, if I'm a Bel Silva, a, a Bel Freire, excuse me, I'm 
I'm attacking down our left. You, uh, you're right. The whole match. I'm making them make a substitution, essentially, or or pull somebody else out of position, because that side was an absolute highway. It's a freeway. Granted, the first goal comes from the other side, but I saw that and I said, "We're." I already was. I'd lost all confidence once I saw the starting eleven, because there was no steel in there. You're gonna play a Greek team in Greece. They want to fight. They're not going to go down easy. They're going to fight. And there's a lot of ignorance among supporters and among journalists towards Greek football. They seem to have forgotten July 4th of 2004. I know you didn't forget that date. I yeah. didn't. I remind you of okay. it at least once. The fact that I know that date, even without you, remind, <laughs> I know that date. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful day. Portuguese oh, football fans seem either, either too young to remember but I don't know where they get off thinking that, that this is going to be an easy match when we are losing to Maritimo and Santa Clara months ago. Yeah, we bring in two or three players, but guess what? The core is still pretty much the same. You don't change in a, a culture overnight. You want to go after the manager over this. Well, he's got to – you see just how big of a job he has to do here. It's not as easy as just coming in, sprinkling dust on it, and everyone starts playing. Like he said in, when he was introduced – he said that we're not going to play double what we played last year. We're going to play triple. But that doesn't happen in, in five weeks. Right. So, I mean, I got a question for you. Yeah. How did you feel about Vlachodimo? Because I thought Vlachodimo was really disappointed in the match. You thought he was disappointing? I was okay with him. Um, He's the type think... of guy, though. He, I, again, I have a slight bias toward Vlachodimo. Sure. But, but you also he, have an insight. That's true. But, I mean, dude, you, are you going to make a big save? Are you, I thought in that first goal when they kind of crossed it over, I thought he wasn't in a good position. I okay. felt like that was a ball that he could have made a play on. Um, he, you know, he probably parries it out to the middle of the box, which you never want to do. But at the same time, it's like he looked like he was frozen there. It's like, dude, what are you? Rise and shine, Malaka. And like you said last week, you know, players go into their home country. You expect them to play a little bit better. You know, we talked about it with Bernardo Silva when Manchester City went to uh, Lisbon. Yeah. And, you know, Plenty of times like this. Uh, you talked about it with Samaris last week. No, Samaris. Yeah, he ended up being injured. Apparently, that's why he was left off. Either way, but, not that yeah. good. But I expected more out of Lafodimo in the game, to mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, he just he did not play well. And honestly, uh, the other thing with Pauk that shocked me, Zivkovic plays in goal. I was stunned. This coach, Pauk is the most stubborn team I've ever seen in my life when it comes to the goalies. Um, they love Pascal this new. This guy... I mean, like, in the in non-important games, they won't play him. In every important game, they go with Pascal Lidis. I was almost 100% sure that we were going to see him. I didn't see him on the lineup. He played against Besiktas, didn't he? Uh, I thought the, the scouting report I had showed him, showed this Sivkovic playing in that previous game. Possibly, but generally speaking, it's like a... Generally speaking, he's not. He's usually like the like League Cup goalie, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, he plays in every big game. He only plays mm -hmm. in the big games. The Diver right, right, right. the big ones. He will only play in those big games, and it's like a running joke in Greece. And then he turned out to be the uh, national team goalie for a little while, and we're like, what the hell's wrong with this dude? Mm -hmm. But Sivkovic, um, really good game out of him. And I think, like, Yeah, he had good saves. We, last season, I said this about Benfica. The, the analytics site that I use, and I'll bring it up a little bit later, um, 
every time we play somebody, their goalkeeper is their man of the match. And I figured this out towards the last, the end of the season. And guess who the man of the match on the Pauk side was? <laughs> so, um, I could be wrong about that, but I'm guessing. Uh, but what happens is we shoot right at goalkeepers and they rack up saves. And in, in an analytic sense, they get great ratings. Goalkeepers love playing us because we hit them with our shots. First half, we had a couple good shots, right? Uh, Edrinho has one that forces a save, but it's right down the middle. It, it almost you know, went up and dipped up under the bar and over the keeper, but it's still the goalkeeper didn't have to move much from right to left to make the save. Right. Everton, same thing, had a good effort. You know, we had the, the headers that, that were missed, but we keep, we keep shooting right at the goalie or we miss the goalkeeper. Or we missed the, the goal, I mean. And then we see, I guess we can fast forward to the second half. We see the goal that that Pauk scores, the first one, right? I love those kind of goals. And here's what. And here's what irritates me about Benfica is once we need a goal, we start rifling crosses. We got away from it in the beginning of the match, right? We were shooting from the outside, which we didn't do all of 2001 until this, this game, this preseason. We never shoot from outside. Okay, so if you're a five-man, and then we wonder why we struggle to play against a five-man back line when we don't shoot from the outside and, and draw them out at all. So if you're a pop, you're going to sit in with your deep line and be like, okay, try to pass through us. You know, keep trying. Oh, oh, you're going to cross it for your one forward, Seferovic. Okay, good luck with that. We got five back here. Even right? if it gets to him, he's not Even doing if it anything gets to him. Exactly, exactly. They scouted <laughs> I thought that the Pauk did a great job scouting Benfica because they weathered the, they knew they were going to come out strong. They were ready for that that initial burst because in the preseason they've done that every match. They come out with that burst and then they die down because they're not fit to play like that for for a long you know for an entire match. They they should have been I think a little bit more wise playing on the road. But you know the the we we're undefeated in the preseason. That's your first problem. And the confidence was high, and we came out with a very, very offensive-minded lineup. There's literally the only defensive players in that lineup are the two central defenders. Okay, they're the only two guys with real defensive qualities. We didn't even list. We only listed one other defensive player on the subs bench, which was Gilberto. And um, what would have happened was he was going to come in if, if a defensive substitution had to be made. Almeida was going to move either to the left or to the center if needed. But we came out with an overwhelmingly attack-minded, on the road no less. I think we were a little bit too ambitious in that respect. It's a little soon to be going at teams with that kind of fire. Now, had we won 4-0, had we scored two of those you know, in the first half, Maybe we add two in the second, and he looks like a genius. Yeah, we've changed. We're playing attacking football now because everybody wants to play attacking football. I literally believe that fans would rather lose five to four than win one to nothing half the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm just Manchester City kind of sort of has been playing the yeah, similar way for exactly. many, many years. I hate that style. Again, yeah. I'm Greek. I greatly prefer the one nothing stuff. Give me great defense. Give me everything possible. Um, yeah, that's, that's just my style, man. At one end of the pitch, you got us right trying to to serve one forward, crossing it. Right, we're not gaining the the end line. Pauk goes down once down the left because our right back is Andre Almeida. 
<laughs> so enough said. But he gets beat, okay? And Pauk gains the inline. And now what happens is you have forced, when you get in behind, you start heading towards goal, you have forced the back line to turn and face their own goal. That first goal goes in because Vertonghen has to turn and face his own goal. That never happens if you're crossing from 30 yards away. Right. They're always able to face outward. They got their goal to their back, and they all they got to do is redirect it forward. Now it's a lot harder when you're facing your own goal. The ball comes, and you've got to redirect it this way or back or anywhere but into your own goal. So he does, a, I think, a good job. If Vertonghen doesn't get a poke on that, I still think he put it in the net. But if he's not, you know, if he's not there, it's an easy tap in. So. Right. But that's what happens when you get the defense turned around facing their own goal. You can whip that ball in, and it can hit them and go in. They don't. It's twice as hard to clear to send that clear than it is when you're facing away from your own goal. Yeah, we continue to play into defense when defenses play with low blocks. We play into them. There's every the whole game is in front of them. It's like in American football, a free safety just sees everything in front of them. And he's one step ahead. He's reading the quarterback's eyes. And as soon as, you know, he sees the receiver, he's cheating. And he's there one step ahead. That's literally how we allow teams to defend against us. Because we sit back. We go slow. Because <laughs> we get – in this game, it was more because of fatigue. Because we are playing a higher tempo than we were last season. But typically, we, we move the ball slow. They have all the time in the world to read the game. And you see one counterattack changes the whole game it completely from that moment forward Pauk are the better team right and i think Pauk were deserved victory uh deserved winners anyone who disagrees with me i i'll give you my fubo login to go in and watch the game again i haven't <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm watching football right now <laughs> yeah. i uh i i seriously challenge you to watch it again if you don't think that the right team won this match and i'm saying that with my team losing Sometimes we have to see that. And again, the manager's brought in on a two-year contract. This is a project. This is not he comes in, he snaps his fingers, and all of a sudden everybody turns into a world-class player. Right. You know, you can't take chicken shit and make chicken soup. It's – you never heard that one? Uh, Three dude. people not use that one? No, no, we're not oh, that's a, chicken that, soup. That, that's a staple in a Portuguese house. <laughs> that's probably uh, not to eat a Euros, bro. <laughs> no, we don't eat it. That's the whole point. You can't take it and make the chicken soup out of it. Anyway. <laughs> we're going to talk about tomorrow when we're both more awake. <laughs> anyway, so I, I wish my team attacked the way that, that Pauk did on that play. We do once in a while. We get a guy that... Rafa can do that from time to time. Of course, Rafa's on the bench until we're losing 2-0 because for whatever reason, okay, everybody's mad at him about last season, okay? Everyone's mad at, at PZ about last season. PZ had himself a decent match also. Andre Almeida, for me, is the guy that, that I can't look at anymore. I don't want to see him. Like, I don't even, like, send him somewhere. I don't want to see him anymore. Put anybody there. I'm, I'm at that point, right? Um. We had all this time. We still have to October 5th. Go get a decent right back. Because this guy is not – listen, it, he, it's been years and he's been serviceable. I think he's got like 12 years or nine years at the club now. Yeah. He's serviceable. But he is a role player that we have allowed to become a 
undisputed starter. And he's not good he's enough not that guy anymore. if you have the ambitions we have. Right. So, let's go here, and I'll give you the exact minute here. It was... 66th minute, okay? Double subs... Oh, it's a substitution for each. So, Benfica bring on Darwin Nunez. Take out Pedrinho. I didn't like this substitution unless Pedrinho was gassed and needed it. Um, because he was he was actually doing things. He was actually creating. I like Darwin Nunez coming on, but it should have been for Seferovic. I, sh I wanted to see him play more in the number nine role. He was fresh. He can apply pressure. Seferovic wasn't applying pressure anymore. Of course, we're really seeing the ball the same way anymore either. But at the other bench, the counter move. Andreas Zivkovic comes in for Dimitrios Belkas. This is the... Okay. Now, you you are the betting guru. Was that not a layup of a bet that he was going to score in this match? Honestly, I saw him come in. I was like... Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew I it. You know why? This happens all the time. <laughs> Luka Jovic, Renato Sanchez. These guys... Angel Di Maria... These guys, when they go to another team and they play us, they score on us. It happens every time. I watched it. I'm like, no, no, they're not going to do this. And oh, I yeah, they did in. it. And then did you see the celebration? He, he didn't celebrate, yeah. Forget about which not is, celebrating. There's which a is hilarious. But this was hilarious because here is this guy who's who's been outcast as a bad apple in the team, and we spent two years trying to get rid of him. And then – in that lack of goal celebration, he showed more respect for our club than our president shows on a daily basis. I, I mean, like, it, it really epitomizes does. everything that's wrong at our club. <laughs> not, not even a smile after scoring. No, a goal. Like, you know that that felt really good for him. And like, but he played it off like goal. I'm so sorry, dude. He um, literally played it yeah. off like he was sorry. Hands up. It's yeah. just not even a freaking smirk, like, dude. No, he, right he played he played our board like a fiddle for the entire time he was here. He was our highest wage earner before we let him go. Yeah, we signed him out of the U-20 World Cup, and he was going to be the future, right? And for whatever reason, now we talk about Seferovic. We've had four managers who cannot take him off. We had four <laughs> managers who won't play this guy, who's talented. He shows that he had a little run there at the end of 2018, second half of that season, where he, him and Krovinovich played together really well all yeah. for the second half of the season. We came up short that year, but it looked like that was a, a tandem we could build on for the next season. It didn't, it didn't pan out past that point, but he's definitely a talented player. And, I mean, at the age of he – he's like one of the youngest to ever play for Serbia. I think he debuted at like 17 on the national team. Yeah, he was super young. And then the guy you alerted me on comes on three minutes later. Carol Swiderski comes on for Akpom. Akpom sucks. Yeah, that dude was terrible. But you told me they liked this Swiderski kid yeah. last week. And he, uh, he came on. I thought he was pretty good also. We finally make the substitute. So, JJ is the third manager now in the last – number of months that loves to switch strikers for the sake of switching strikers because we bring on Carlos Vinicius for Harris Seferovic. Not a bad switch, but like I said, Seferovic should have been off already. And you're getting two different kinds of players. You're completely changing the, the, the makeup of your attack. 
And you're bringing on Vinicius, who is, yes, last year's golden boot winner, but has struggled all preseason to play in this system. He's struggled to be the type of striker that this manager is asking for. And shortly after that substitution, three minutes later, it's another counter. And let me tell you, I saw this coming because I see Zivkovic cutting in. You know, he's going down the right with the ball on his left foot. I see Grimaldo so winded trying to get back. He's literally walking in. And he's not even positioning his body. He's standing straight up like the, like yeah. a touch to either side beats him. It's as if he's never had to defend before. Zivkovic, who probably did that to him in training plenty of times when he felt <laughs> like it. What I understand from Zivkovic, when he feels like it, he does things like this. The matter of getting him to feel like it. That was another one. I looked at it. I thought Vlachodemo should have at least gotten closer to I it. thought he might have. Yeah, I thought maybe. Because where else was he going to shoot that? I yeah. mean, that's, that's oh, the nine times out of ten, that shot's going to the near post. I mean, if he curls it into the top 90, it's up all right, bro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I would agree with you there. I thought maybe he could have done a little bit better there. Um, from what I read, he's not the manager's favorite goalkeeper. He's the one we got right now, but he's he's been frustrated. Send him back. <laughs> Please? Oh, come on. Oh, I don't know. got my hopes up. Please, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it sounds like he's not the biggest fan of, of him, which, you know, having watched him play, what, uh, 72 matches now for Benfica, 75 matches, I like him. But yeah, I think you're right. He uh, he has a ceiling, obviously, and he's not as good with his feet as this manager likes. And I think that's the big, the big standing point, is he's not as good with his feet. And... Do you like, uh, do you like Manchester City? Like Claudio Bravo. Yeah, I mean, you can always, you can always <laughs> try that. So we're down 2-0, and now we get Rafa Silva. The fastest player on the pitch comes in for Adele Trapp, who had a miserable game. But, again, I don't think he had – I guess I'll get to this now. This is where um, some people might want to stop listening because uh, this has been building in me. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to keep it friendly. Um let it flow. This Let guy's got skill. This guy is the football equivalent of an and one basketball player. He's got the foot. He should be doing freestyle videos on YouTube. He's got the skills. The problem is he's not a midfielder. He's not a forward. Everyone says he plays behind. He's a good number 10, as they say, or a false nine playing in behind the striker. One goal and one assist tells me otherwise. He had plenty of opportunities to do that. Yes, I get it. He teamed up with Seferovic, so like I said, we always come back to Seferovic. But still, one goal, one assist. He's not a threat to shoot. Yes, he scored one goal against Bournemouth in a preseason friendly. One goal against Bournemouth in a preseason friendly where he shot from the outside. Okay? That does not mean he's suddenly a threat to shoot from the outside. A player that wants to be that that guy. He likes to play in between the lines. This is another problem. This manager wants that center mid to be a box-to-box mid. Neither he nor – I think Weigel can be that, but he's not being asked to be that right now. And if Weigel's going to be that, someone else has to play in the hole, which what I think should happen, but that's beside the point. Um, so 
I, we lose all shape with this guy in midfield. He does not. When we don't have the ball, we go down to ten because he doesn't understand where to be, how to read the opponent. He doesn't know how to pressure. He runs full speed at people rather than angling his run when he presses. So he gets booked every other match. He got sent off against friggin' Bournemouth or against uh, Wren, one of those teams. It was Bournemouth. He actually was suspended for the last friendly of the preseason. Because he got sent off for a late tackle. Because he doesn't know how to tackle. Yeah, he hustles. You know what? That's not enough for me. If it's And the same people that want to criticize, you know, a Franco Cervi that, that, you know, can also, I think, who should have been given an opportunity in preseason to, to have a solid run at left back. Because we don't have another left back. We played Nuno Tavares, the kid, the whole preseason. And then we bring in a half-strength Rimaldo when the game matters. I don't know why. Okay? I guess we think that... Okay, people are going to get mad at me. The reason Grimaldo is still at Benfica is because he's not that good. He would have been sold if he was as good as people think he is. Don't talk... There was a two seasons ago, three seasons ago, talk of him going to play for Pep at Manchester City. Big, big. You see what I mean, people? That's a Manchester City supporter right there. And granted, he was much better then than he is now. But this guy, he, he's going to be, a, he's another Andre Almeida that's going to be here forever. Because he's on a high, he's on high wages and we got no, who's going to take it on? He cannot defend it. Year after year after year, we go into the Champions League and he is exposed. Particularly him. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% right, especially with Grimaldo uh, coming forward. Three yeah. Coming forward, getting back, not so much. Right, and then you don't supplement that with a left-sided midfielder that can get back in his place. Yeah. So where do, where should we attack them? Gee, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're going against teams with the quality of the ones in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. Forget about it. You have no chance. I don't know where Benfica fans get the notion that we are a Champions League club. We have been an embarrassment in this competition three years running. Was it three years ago we were the first Portuguese team in history to get zero points in the group stage of the Champions League, okay? This is true. Yes, it's, it's said. So all of a sudden people are mad because we're going to the Europa League. Yes, we lose out. Here comes the money again. People think it's their money. <laughs> and I guess some people... In fairness, people are club are club members. They play club dues, so some of the money is yes. But stop with the money. This is not an American sport with a salary cap. First of all, you don't have cap space to free up. You don't get extra cap space because you go to the Champions League. Yeah, you get a bunch of millions. Now we we'll probably have to sell a player, but it's probably going to be Carlos Vinicius. To be honest, that's I don't know who else has has any value. Billion. Yeah. We get twenty five, and I'll be I'll be celebrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's what this means. This means we have to sell a player. However, from a football perspective, a playing perspective, put away the financials. Okay, we have way too many financial experts out there. You know, self proclaimed, and look at it for a second. How is this team ready to go play in the Champions League? We're going into a Europa League where some people now think we're the favorites, which is also ridiculous. 
Really? Because you got Roma, and you've got <laughs> you will have. Okay, fine, but they're better than we are right now. Nah, I like I like Benfica. I would one hundred percent go with Benfica as the favorite here. No questions in asked. Entire Europa League, you're putting Benfica as the favorite. Out of the teams that are in there right now, now I know that the third place teams are going to get in for the Champions League. Out of the teams you that are in put there, Benfica above Tottenham right now. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't think so. Oh yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. Last week, I'm going to tell you why I don't rate them right now. I think we can fix this problem and we can be among the best. But right now. We have one of the weakest, softest mentalities. You saw the way we crumbled when we went down a goal in this match. It's true. We have such a weak mentality, and it comes from a lack of leadership. Hoping Bertongan helps with that, but I'm sure there's a language barrier there right now. That's the problem with going to get experienced foreign players is there is a, a little bit of a language barrier. Um, the only guy who has no language barrier never plays, and that's Samadish. He's perfected the Portuguese language. You should see it, man. I mean, it's it's he is he it's it's so frustrating because on the pitch he doesn't play enough, so he's he's obviously not playing well. He hasn't played well in a long time because he hasn't had minutes, and maybe he's not that type of player anymore. And but he brings so much off the pitch. That doesn't get transmitted when you're watching from the 32nd row every match. Although, you know, last season, I swear, he was the only one that cared. There was the match we drew 1-1 at Famalicão that meant that the, that Porto could have been champion that night. Our Nimrod coaches are high-fiving because we got a point on the road. And Samadis is up there fighting tears because he knows that's it. Even though we were eight points behind, it was never going to happen until it was mathematically possible. That guy kept his, he believed, or he at least, you know, pushed. And he, you could see him suffering like a fan when we were playing poorly. And I don't know, there's a place for that in the team for me. You make a place, in my opinion. We having a volume issue? Oh, you hear me good? Okay. Yeah, uh, you're low. I don't know if... This is the beauty of going live. No, you're pretty low. Your battery low on your. All right, let's move along. <laughs> yeah, let me see. So we we move on. Benfica's going to get one back here, okay? They're going to pull one back, and it's going to be, well, it's going to be too late, to be honest. 90 plus three. The smallest player on the pitch finally gets on the end of a cross and heads it in. But, again, too little, too late. I talked about what I thought. I thought, again, that Pau came out with a perfect game plan and executed it to a perfection. It's my personal opinion. Uh, we have always struggled to play against a five-man back line, and that's what they went to when they needed to. Oh, you're yeah, coming back. Good. To, uh, <laughs> you guys went from comfortable to crumble. Literally yeah, crumble. We literally crumble. So let's take a look here. I'm going to bring up the player ratings so we can discuss this. So that's fine. One moment. 
this old laptop still has a little bit of juice in it. All right, so we're gonna, the player ratings are loading up. Um, there you see it. And of course, this internet is nice and slow. There we go. So there's the 2 1 result. And now we'll start with the ratings for the power players. And these are cool, Leo, but this in the Champions League, it's missing the expected goal stat, which is one of my favorites because it really tells the story. Right. But it looks like it's missing it here. Um, but let's start with Pauk. So I was wrong. In Ingusten was the man of the match for Pauk. You see a 7-2 rating there. Livkovic had a 6.3. Um, who do you think was, for you, was the best player for Pauk? Uh, for me, the best player for Pauk was definitely uh, Ziolis. I'm a huge fan of Zioli. I just think that he, had, he brings something extra to Pauk. 18 years old. He's going to continue to get better. I really, really like this kid. I think that he has a huge future. Um, you know, he had minimal opportunities to get through, um, but he was able to create a couple of chances. He was able to settle the game down when Falk needed it the most. I love Ziolis. Yeah, and that's a pretty hard job to, to be a wingback in a five-man back line because you got to do both jobs. you got to get up and down the pitch, and he did a, a very good job attacking and defending. Um, I, I liked him. I liked... Where is he? I like this guy here, Pelkas. He got a low rating, but he I liked them in this match. I like the little things he did. The the analytics sometimes are based on statistics and not every player's job is a statistical one. Um, you can see the the defenders are the highest rated players. They had you know, they had clearances, they had steals, they had tackles, they're gonna take the high ratings. Um, I'll just go down. Zivkovic, 6.3. Crespo, 6.1. Ingesen, 7.2. Schwab, 6.2. Varela, 6.2. El Cadori, 5.6. Mikalidis, 6.0. Giannulli, 5.8. You can pronounce that one there. Giannulli. <laughs> the TZ. Uh, Ziolis. Ziolis, thank you. 5.7. <laughs> Belkas was a 4.4. And Akpom with a, with a 4.9. But Zivkovic off the bench, you see here. 6.2 in Swiderski's 4.3. Considering he only played 30 minutes in the way that the analytic works, that, that's a heck of a rating for Zivkovic. Now you look at Benfica here. Odi had a 5.1 rating, which is you said you were disappointed in him. That That's not a great rating for a goalkeeper that you know, had some action. You see Andre Almeida is a 5.8 on the right. Ruben Dias has a, has a good 6.5. For Tongan, a 4.9, but I think that's weighted heavily because of the own goal. Absolutely. You take away that own goal, and I think he, he's probably got a pretty solid game. Grimaldo, 5.1. So he was worse than Almeida, which, you know, says it all. Um, I'll go to the other side with PZ, 6.6. He was all right. I mean, I like him in a more central role. I would I would have liked him playing more over here instead of Tarap, but that's, that's my preference. And you already see this this uh, image gives a different lineup than what the, the Google image we looked at in the beginning showed. But Pedrinho, 5.6, considering he was subbed off at the hour mark, pretty good. Beigel, 5.9. He had something there is – it seems like Weigel is, is, is stuck in a role right now. And I don't think he's a true number six, but it seems like 
he ends up between the two central defenders all the time. And he makes the first pass in the phase of construction out of the back. And then he kind of stays there. He doesn't get up the pitch as much. Um, I'm The manager, when he, when he wasn't our manager, was on television in Portugal last year after he finished winning the Copa Lib with Flamengo. And he was rating different players. And he said that Weigel is something very special, but there's still a little, there's still tweaks that needed to be made. And he, knew, he said he knew what they were and he wasn't going to tell, just in case. So he was already kind of plotting his return, I think, at this point. And um, I think Weigel would be better further up the pitch, personally. Connecting passes. Uh, he's got decent vision. Sometimes, you know, People will point to his mental game. His, he thinks the game twice as fast as his teammates, and they make him look bad sometimes. They're not on the same level with him, which happens sometimes. And I, I feel like he might be better served being further up the pitch, finding you know, our attackers, our dangerous guys. Terapt was given a 5.8 here. Again, he does things like, like you know, complete dribbles, complete passes. He's going to get a good rating. Problem is, is up here where it matters is we got the wrong number. So at the end of the day, that's that's the stat that matters. We got Everton was the man of the match overall, according to goal point here, this, this technology, 7.7. And I'm going to scroll down here and show you. They got a heat map for him right over here. So you can see where Everton plays most of his football right here. In the, with the heat map and this is cool because i've talked about the heat map on the podcast i've never showed it to you because this is the first real video podcast episode but you can see in the attack he, he's he's here all the time and you see the the yellow is even hotter he's spending even he shot from this spot probably two or three times but you see he doesn't get in here where that pop goal came from this is where i would like to see him because then that ball comes straight across like that but what it says there, Leo, it says shots were two, on goal one. Um, dangerous da dangerous um, chances created two. He had four passes for a shot. Okay, so four times he set somebody up with the goal scoring opportunity. 87% pass efficiency. He was five of ten on dribbles. He had two steals and uh, three interceptions. And then we got the stat line here. Shot total shots, Pauk eight, Benfica sixteen. Uh, shots on goal two to five. Uh, actions in the opponent's area. This is a new statistic they didn't list last season. Benfica thirty six actions in the other team's uh, area. That is a lot of time spent in in Pauk's penalty area with very little to show for it. I like that statistic. Here's one we always lead with. Corners. We just continue to rifle corners and get nothing out of them. And here we go. My favorite stats are coming up. Oh, baby. So pass efficiency, 86%. That's fine. That's, that's where it should be. But you see, Pauk only had 65%. Pauk clears the ball. You, that's not a completed pass. You can have a lower efficiency. Vertical passes. Pauk has a 44%. Efficiency when they're passing the ball forward. We have a 72% efficiency passing the ball forward. There is no reason to have only gotten one goal in this match. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it's, it tells a story, but it also tells – look at this right here. We're going to the Europa League with 71% possession. Like, I wish, honestly, that we had a heat map over here for possession to see where it is. It's, it's before this line here. If we're attacking, if we're attacking this goal, our possession is here and back. I guarantee yeah. it. And uh, Pauk only 29%. They didn't need the ball. They scored when they had the opportunities. We need to be more efficient. That, at the end of the day, that is what matters. You need to be more efficient. So that, that is the stat line. All right. You have anything anything else to add? Leo? I got nothing, man. Just tough, tough defeat for you guys. Very upsetting to watch. Uh, very tough on my pocket. My pocket still hurts. Uh, no problem, no problem. We'll, we'll get over it, but. Uh, yeah, overall, just really disappointed performance from Benfica. But, hey, uh, Greek League is more than happy to take the coefficient points if Pau can take care of business. So, hey. Thumbs up. I, could, I could have a whole episode on, on what I think about the coefficient points. <laughs> I bet you could. Uh, I guarantee I know the answer to this question, but in case people think we're the only ones, are you rooting for Olympiacos in the Champions League? Absolutely. Yeah, so you think the same as I do for the coefficient no, points. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Don't care. I No, I would be happier with no Greek team in the Champions League rather than just Olympia Costa. Exactly. Greek. Exactly. Um, why don't you l tell the listeners we got a new sponsor, both of us do. We, people, yeah. I explained last week that we are now in business. We are the PTB Network, your That's show, right. DGNs United, this show. And the Park in the Bus podcast for now. It is the PTV Network. We got a new sponsor, don't we? Yeah, we do. Over at Better Than Better Than Dot Vegas. Uh, these guys are excellent. These guys are creating a sports betting forum. They have been absolutely spectacular. Uh, you're going to see your boys' pretty face making picks, explaining why we make the picks. Some brand new adjustments coming on both of our sites as well. Hopefully, in the coming days. Um, I know I have something on my sleeve that I'm pretty pumped up to roll out this weekend. So be sure to check out dgensunited.com. Um, you guys are going to see a lot of improvements there. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, dgensunited, uh, dgens underscore united. But like I said, if you are a degenerate, be sure to check out the BTV network. A ton of good uh, content is going on. And not, not the BTV network we watch the matches on. Yeah, yeah, not Benfica TV. I, that, that was the best part of, of landing this sponsorship was, was that name association. Oh, man. But, yeah, check them out, man. Really good stuff. They have brand-new handicappers coming in every week. Uh, really good information, really good stuff. Always good to see different perspectives. Uh, but, yeah, that's where we are right now. So be sure to be on the lookout, man. A lot of good stuff coming out for the BTV Media Network. Excellent. And I also want to shout out uh, the creators of the new theme song that – those of you listening to the podcast heard uh, at the beginning of the show. If you're watching on YouTube, go to the podcast and catch it. I have it posted on the Spotify with just the song. All right. It is our new theme song. Shout out to Agendas. All right. It's a couple of guys from Boston. One of them I grew up with, a Portuguese kid, Benfica fan. They're out there in L.A. now doing their thing with their music, trying to become, you know, trying to make a living, trying to, to you know, climb that ladder and be known as music producers and they did a great job with that track i hit them up and they were more than more than than happy to to let us use it they mixed in some of the commentary as well and made it sound good it, the old the old theme was didn't sound good there's a lot of white noise in it these guys cleaned it up for me they're great job pete and jeff shout out to them 
check them out. I got the social media links in the show notes. I also will have a link to to uh, the Better Than Vegas channel to BTV. All right, and yeah. um, you can. So if you're interested, for uh, please visit our sponsors. They are very important to us, and um, I ask you, my supporters, to support those that support me as well. Um, that way we can continue to bring better and better content to everybody. And uh, what do you got coming up this week, Leo? Uh, this think? week, getting ready for the NFL. We got some college football coming up this weekend as well. We have uh, EPL. Be sure to be on the lookout for Premier League fantasy lineups. That is my specialty. You can find those at dgensunited.com. You can find those there Friday night. I'll make sure that they're posted for Saturday morning. Uh, and then Saturday night for Sunday morning as well. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. All right, guys. But other than that, another day being a D-Gen, man. Got to get ready. Eyes all over the place, ready to break down whatever comes our way. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. All right, man. All right, hopefully everybody will catch us on Sunday night on Parking the Bus, where we will have the Sunday night sports book once again. So make sure you go over to the Parking the Bus channel. I will most likely post it here on this channel as well. But I uh, really need you guys to go over to the Parking the Bus and and check out some of the stuff there. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I want to thank everyone for joining me. Thank you, Leo, for coming on at this time. Uh, I know it's, it's a weeknight. It get late. You've got a money ride in, and I know the Celtics are on. You've got other things going. I know you got other sports going American on right now. Rugby, baby. American rugby, baby. American rugby, as I call it, is on. <laughs> so thank you again for, for taking the time out to uh, join me here and maybe – if we catch a Greek side in the Europa League, we can have you back on again. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. Thanks, Leo. And everybody else, thank you for listening. This has been the season premiere, season three of Mr. Benfica, episode 85. I will catch you sometime, most likely Sunday. Remember, Benfica play Friday, uh, Friday afternoon. The match is on Goal TV here in the United States. The contract was renewed, as I reported uh, a few weeks ago. So find it. Check your local listings, all right? And I'll be reviewing. That match back in the solo format on Sunday, I'm going to guess. Maybe Saturday, but by Sunday night, it will be up before the Park in the Bus podcast. Thank you, everybody. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. And I'll catch you next time. Chega Benfica. Forza Benfica. Let's pick our heads up. We got a whole season ahead of us. All right. There is probably 60 more matches to go. So let, let's one match at a time. Let's do this. 